This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Boris Johnson, Britain's prime minister, was reportedly resisting demands for his resignation from several cabinet ministers gathered in Downing Street. They were said to include former loyalists such as Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, and Grant Shapps, the Transport Secretary. On Wednesday night, Mr. Johnson sacked Michael Gove, another senior minister, who had also told him to go, and Simon Hart, the Welsh Secretary, resigned. Some ministers still support Mr. Johnson. If he refuses to step down, more members of the government are likely to join the 38 who have resigned since Tuesday. Pat Cipollone, a former White House counsel, agreed to a closed-door interview with the January 6th committee on Friday. Mr. Cipollone is considered a key witness to Donald Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election, as well as his handling of the Capitol insurrection. The interview represents a breakthrough for the committee, which subpoenaed Mr. Cipollone last week. Iranian state television reported that several foreigners, including a senior British diplomat stationed in Tehran, were charged with espionage by the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, a branch of the army. They were reportedly accused of collecting soil samples in the desert in central Iran, where missile tests were underway. Giles Whitaker, the British envoy, was said to have been expelled after apologizing. Britain called the reports, quote, completely false. Railway workers in France went on strike, demanding wage increases, quote, at least equal to rising inflation. Close to one-third of intercity and regional trains were canceled a day before France's school summer holidays begin. The railway strike action follows a walkout by airline workers last week. China imposed a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for the first time. Starting next week, residents of Beijing will be required to show proof of vaccination to enter a range of public venues. This week, China reported its first cases of the highly transmissible Omicron BA 5.2 subvariant in Beijing, the capital, and Xi'an, a city in central China. Crypto broker Voyager Digital filed for bankruptcy, having suspended withdrawals, trading, and deposits last week. The firm cited market volatility and the unexpected collapse of Three Arrows Capital, a now-bankrupt crypto hedge fund which had defaulted on a multi-million dollar loan to Voyager Digital. More than 400 inmates of a prison in Abuja, Nigeria's capital, remain at large after a raid on Tuesday night by militants suspected of belonging to Boko Haram, a jihadist group. Nearly 900 prisoners fled after the jailbreak, though many were recaptured or turned themselves in. And fact of the day, 54%, the share of abortions in America carried out through medication rather than surgery. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Indonesia and the G20. The foreign ministers from the G20 group of countries gather in Bali on Thursday, at a time of unusually active diplomacy for their host, Indonesia. Joko Widodo, the president, known as Jokowi, recently visited both his Ukrainian and Russian counterparts on a peace mission intended to ease shortages in the global grain market. Indonesia has made three worthy issues its priorities during its year in the G20's rotating chair. Global health architecture, i.e. preparedness for future pandemics, 
digital transformation, notably of finance, and sustainable energy transition. But despite Jokowi's efforts, the G20 meetings this year are bound to focus on the war in Ukraine. In November, Bali will host the G20 leaders. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, will attend. And Jokowi has also invited Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, although Ukraine is not a member of the club. Even on the holiday island of Bali, it will be hard to avoid talking about the war. Australia goes underwater again. A low-pressure system is wreaking havoc in New South Wales, Australia's most populous state. It has dumped more rain on Sydney over four days than London gets in a year. At least one person has died, and tens of thousands have been evacuated as rivers have broken their banks. Several towns are braced for flooding as the rain moves north from Sydney. Flood-stricken Australians will be thrown a buoy on Thursday in the form of federal disaster payments. The new Labour government, led by Anthony Albanese, is offering handouts of Australian $1,000 to anyone whose home has been subsumed by rising waters. But that will not go far. And building back is getting harder. Floods are striking Australia with increasing ferocity. Some low-lying parts of western Sydney have gone underwater four times in the past 18 months. As waters subside, residents face a difficult choice. Leave or prepare for yet more inundations. Mexicans struggle with rising prices. Mexico's statistics agency is likely to bear bad news on Thursday as it announces the latest inflation figures. Economists had hoped that price increases would have started to slow by now, but early estimates suggest annual inflation is inching ever closer to 8%. The current rate of 7.88% is already the highest in two decades. André Manuel López Obrador's government has the fiscal room to help hard-pressed Mexicans. His government has suspended duty on petrol, reducing the pump cost to 22 pesos, $1.07 a liter from 34. Food companies have agreed to cap prices, helped by a suspension of import tariffs for items including onions and chicken. Meanwhile, the central bank has raised interest rates nine times in the past year, and at its next meeting in August, is likely to lift them again from the current 7.75%. Yet it may take more than that to return Mexico to its inflation target of 3%. Battle of the Bulk Costco's Sales Costco, the giant American supermarket chain, publishes its earnings report for June on Thursday and its results will be scrutinized more closely than usual. Analysts have been poring over companies' earnings for signs of a recession. Wealthy consumers are of particular interest, given their outsized impact. The top 20% of American households account for about 40% of consumer spending, and 28% of GDP, says Morgan Stanley, a bank. 
Costco provides a window into how rich Americans' spending habits might change. The chain is popular with affluent shoppers who are alert to value, but who also have the cash to buy in bulk. So far, Costco's sales have been resilient. Even as low-income shoppers have reduced spending, richer ones have sustained their appetite for giant tubs of pretzels. Buying toilet paper in bulk can even act as a hedge against rising prices. The question is whether or when such lofty spending will succumb to gravity. Extreme Heat at the Hajj On Thursday, some one million pilgrims will begin the annual Hajj to Mecca in Saudi Arabia, a religious ritual that every Muslim with financial and physical means is expected to complete at least once in their lifetime. It is the first time the Saudi government has allowed foreign pilgrims to participate since the start of the pandemic. But bookings, allocated via lottery, have been chaotic, and those who make it to Mecca will face temperatures above 40 degrees Celsius, which can play havoc with the human body. As usual, when the Hajj falls in summer, the dates rotate depending on the lunar calendar, the pilgrims will be sprayed with water and move through vast air-conditioned corridors. But climate models suggest that if global temperatures rise by 1.5 Celsius above pre-industrial levels, lethal heat exposure during the Hajj will become five times more likely. A rise of 2 degrees Celsius increases the risks tenfold. The religious ritual is becoming increasingly perilous. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which city hosts the annual Nobel Prize Awards? Wednesday. Which country was the subject of three partitions in the late 18th century? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Arthur Conan Doyle, who died on this day in 1930. There's nothing more deceptive than an obvious fact. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.